The Orioles and Blue Jays got rained out on Wednesday night, but the O's still moved up in the standings into a tie for a playoff spot. But no game means we open up the mailbag on this episode, answering all your Orioles questions coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, August 11th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the mailbag, a Mailbag Thursday episode answering all of your Orioles questions. Now, when the O's game officially got postponed due to rain on Wednesday night between the Orioles and the Blue Jays, I asked for mailbag questions on Twitter and you, the listeners, delivered. We've got nine questions that I'm going to try to get to here in this episode to talk all things O's. A lot of different topics across the board we're going to get to, including maybe some Orioles free agency topics for the offseason which starting pitchers could move to the bullpen, what the O's would do if they made the wildcard series in terms of pitching. We'll talk about some prospects and much, much more here on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get to it, just did want to thank you, the listener, for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Of course, we thank you for submitting all your mailbag questions, but also thank you for listening to the pod five days a week. You know, new episodes out Monday through Friday, the only daily Orioles Major League podcast out there. We thank you so much for tuning in, listening on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leaving a five-star rating and a review on those apps if you can. And then, of course, watching right here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe over here at the channel. And we've got some fun news to get you here on a Wednesday. We have surpassed 1,000 subscribers here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel, which means, as I've talked about this week here on the pod, we're going to have a giveaway coming up. Now, to be involved in a special Orioles giveaway from the pod, you must be subscribed on YouTube. So even if you are just an audio listener, head over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, hit that red subscribe button, and you will be entered to win an Orioles giveaway, which will be announced on tomorrow's episode, or at the very least, by next week. We will know the winner of the Orioles giveaway. But uh, I will give uh, one little hint, is that uh, it's a giveaway item that was given away at Oriole Park that I know a lot of people wanted, and one could be yours if you are a YouTube subscriber here to Locked on Orioles. And again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. For your first listen today, well, Mailbag Thursday. We open up the mailbag. No Orioles game on Wednesday night. The rain came in around 6 o'clock, and it did not stop for a while. Orioles postponing the series finale with the Blue Jays. It'll be made up as part of a true doubleheader on Labor Day. It'll be September 5th. Initially, that game was scheduled to start at 1.05 between the Orioles and the Blue Jays at Oriole Park. It'll now be a straight-up single-admission doubleheader starting at 1 o'clock on Monday, September 5th. That is Labor Day. That is when that game will be made up. And maybe a little break for the Orioles. They were right in the middle of 17 consecutive days with a game. They don't have a lot of off days here in the second half. So this off day here, right in the middle of this stretch, could certainly help them. Of course, the O's now go to Boston for another weird schedule quirk. A one-game 
series, basically, in Boston against the Red Sox tonight at 7.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Part of a series that was supposed to be played the first week of the season that got cut because of the lockout bleeding into the year a little bit. And so they placed this game here. The Orioles will play that one game and then go to Tampa for the weekend. But that's kind of the news and notes from the day. The rest of it is Jackson Holiday made his pro debut and singled in his first at-bat in the FCL. Hopefully we get to see the Orioles' number one overall pick in full season ball soon enough. But let's get to the mailbag, opening up our Orioles mailbag here on the podcast. And got a lot of questions to get to. And quite frankly, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get to all of them. Thank you all so much for sending in your Orioles questions. And I got nine in front of me with more coming in as I record. We'll try to get to as many as I can here on the podcast. But let's start with our first question that comes from TJ Lochte on Twitter, who asks, what arms should the Orioles target this offseason? Now, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast before. I think the Orioles could target arms both in free agency and via trade, and they'll probably be starting pitchers. The Orioles could even sign a reliever or two, even though their bullpen has been great this year. But let's focus on the starters. I think in terms of trade, the one name they should still be focusing on is Pablo Lopez. I know that you know we talked about a lot on this pod trying to get him at the deadline. Marlins ended up not moving him. They'll keep him. And, you know, even if you trade for him this offseason, you would get two more years of Pablo Lopez. He's not a free agent until after 2024. He's having a great season, been the best starting pitcher, not named Sandy Alcantara for the Miami Marlins. And I would love to see him at the top of the Oriole rotation. Now, it's going to take an Anthony Santander and probably at least two of the Orioles, you know, higher ranked, probably back end of the top 10 prospects to get Lopez. But I think it would certainly be worth it to go get him. Now, in terms of other names, there are a lot of names out there in terms of the free agent starting pitchers that will be available this offseason. I think kind of the highest end guy that the Orioles could go after is a guy like Carlos Rodon, who signed with the San Francisco Giants this offseason, signed a multi-year deal that included an opt-out. And all signs point to the fact that he is going to opt-out at the end of this deal. Now, I think what would make sense for him and for the Orioles, a short-term high-money deal. Something around two years, you know, 45-ish million dollars, $50 million for Carlos Rodon. He's been that good. A 2.95 ERA this season for the Giants. Been outstanding after a fantastic year in 2021. Kind of rebounding from all those injury issues with the White Sox last year. Get that lefty at the top of the rotation. I'll take that any day. And the Orioles, they would have the money to spend. I mean, they have essentially $10 million, I think, on the books for next year. It would certainly help to get a guy like Rodon and if they don't want to spend that much money, I think your next best option is Sean Manaya. You know, former ace of the athletics, was traded to the Padres. Hasn't been as good with San Diego. Had some struggles. You know, he has a 4.74 ERA with the Padres this year. I think he still has a lot left in the tank. And something like a three-year, you know, maybe 55 to $60 million deal with Sean Manaya, I would take that. I don't think he's a top-of-the-line ace anymore, but he can still be a number two starter, I think, and at worst a number three. And Manaya certainly would work out in this Oriole rotation. Then you've got some of the maybe a little bit cheaper options. Tyler Anderson was a guy who I wanted the Orioles to go after this offseason, and he's had a resurgent year, a career year, with the Dodgers this year, has a 2.72 ERA, having his best season at age 32. You never really know how much better he's going to get, but I think something in the range of a two-year, $30 million contract could get Tyler Anderson to Baltimore, and yeah, he's not a true ace, 
but he's been so good for LA this year. If you get anything close to that in Baltimore next year, that is a huge, huge help. And then a couple of other guys who would be even cheaper. Matthew Boyd is one of them uh, who's been injured all of this year. He actually just got traded to the Mariners. He's rehabbing. It looks like he'll pitch in the big leagues in September for Seattle. You know, if he looks okay, you could probably get him on like a one-year $10 million deal, kind of a prove-it deal for Matthew Boyd to come back, pitch a full big league season, and show that he can be the pitcher he was at times with the Tigers before the injury. I would like that move. And then maybe a veteran guy like Drew Smiley, who, you know, he's had a 3.97 ERA with the Cubs this year, another deal that would be probably similar to something like one-year $10 million to get Smiley in and, and just help this rotation Kind of similar to a Jordan Lyles, but just with a little bit better track record. But those are some of the guys I think the Orioles could certainly target in free agency. Our second question comes from Mako on Twitter, who says, Which current Orioles starting pitcher will be the best reliever in 2023 for the Orioles? And kind of adds the caveat that, you know, with the Orioles hopefully getting Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, and also hopefully adding starting pitching in the offseason— Obviously, not all five of these guys right now are going to be in the rotation next year, and we know that. So I had three out of the five names in the rotation who I think could be a good reliever next year. Dean Kramer, I think, you know, maybe with that fastball and that cutter, could fit in in a Keegan Aiken role, but I think there's really two other guys who really fit this mold. First one is Kyle Bradish. Now, I still think Kyle Bradish is going to work out as a starter long-term for the Orioles, and I think he could be one of the five starters to break camp with the O's in 2023. I like his stuff that much. But you see how he pitches, you know, with kind of the high pitch count he gets into. And not bad command, but can be a little erratic at times. He can get himself into that high pitch count inning. Plus, you add a high-velocity fastball up to 97, 98, and some elite breaking pitches. The slider and the curveball, really great offerings. That kind of gives you that perfect mold of a guy who could eventually be a failed starter and a really good reliever. And maybe that doesn't happen as early as next year for Kyle Bradish, but I could see down the line in his career, if he just kind of turns into one of those five and dive guys who you know has too high of a pitch count, you just let him loose for an inning or two out of the bullpen. The fastball maybe ticks up to 99 to 100. The slider and curve play even better, and he becomes a dominant reliever. And then the other guy is Austin Voth, who I think, honestly, at some point this year, is going to be moved exclusively to the bullpen. I would think probably when the Orioles get Tyler Wells back, hopefully when they get D.L. Hall into the big leagues, maybe if they call up Matt Harvey or Bruce Zimmerman again at some point, I could see Voth going into the bullpen. He's already pitched out of the bullpen this year for the Orioles, was pitching out of the bullpen for the Nationals. He's got that good fastball-curveball combination that I think works out of the pen. And I honestly think the reason why the Orioles claimed him and the reason why they've held on to him this long is that they see him as a viable reliever in the big league bullpen in 2023. I think that's been the plan all along, and I think Austin Voth fits that mold pretty perfectly for the O's. Next question is from Adit Mahmood on Twitter, who said, what is more likely for the Orioles this offseason? They sign a big-time bat in free agency and then add a solid kind of mid-tier starting pitcher, or they sign the elite number one starting pitcher and kind of add the mid-tier bat. And this is a good question on what the Orioles' plan could be. I think it's more likely they go with the big bat and then the mid-tier starting pitcher. Now, I don't see it being super likely of getting either an elite bat or an elite pitcher that they have to give a lot of money to, but I think the more likely scenario is the big bat with kind of the mid-tier starting pitcher. Because I think in terms of the starting pitching, 
the guys that are there, like, you know, maybe Jacob deGrom, potentially Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, even maybe Carlos Rodon, who I talked about earlier, I think all could exceed what the Orioles are willing to pay. And also, they're just going to be outbid by, you know, bigger spending teams right now for those guys. And, you know, the next guys are more of those mid-tier starters who are going to be more in their price range. So I could see them adding, you know, a guy like we talked about, Manaya or Anderson or maybe a Noah Syndergaard or a Kyle Gibson or one of those starters in free agency who are all going to be free agents. And then if you want to make the big swing, you go after a Carlos Correa if he opts out. You go after maybe a Dansby Swanson who's going to be a free agent. I think Trey Turner probably a little out of the price range, but... If you're going to go after Correa, you could go after Turner or even a guy who, you know, maybe isn't going to get star money, but could still be a star now that he's healthy, like a Mitch Hanniger, who's going to be a free agent for the Seattle Mariners, actually just returned from injury for Seattle. You know, I could see them going after the big bat to put in the middle of the order, you know, put at an infield position, and then maybe going after the mid-tier starters and, and trusting guys like Rodriguez and Hall in the rotation. But we're going to take a break here, but we've got plenty more mailbag questions to answer here on the podcast coming up. But first, got to tell you about BlueNile.com. Because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're just celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile, they have simple online tools to let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. And if you have questions about what you're ordering or you're just having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 to help you find that memorable gift at every budget. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. You can save up to 40% on classic, fine jewelry pieces, and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So it's a Mailbag Thursday episode here on the podcast, answering all of your Orioles questions. And let's jump right back into it. Next up, this comes from Sean Elliott on Twitter, who asks probably my favorite question I got in the Mailbag today. Who starts for the Orioles in the Wild Card Series? Now remember, this is a little bit of a different question than it was the last time the Orioles played in a Wild Card game in 2016 in Toronto. You know, the Orioles were able to kind of set their rotation. They got the guy who was pretty much their ace at that point, Chris Tillman, to start. And also remember back then, it was just a one-game wild card. Now that is different. It is a best-of-three series, all three games being played at the higher seeds home ballpark. So you're not just picking one pitcher. You're picking three like a usual series. Now, the one thing that makes this question difficult is that the regular season for Major League Baseball this year ends on October 5th. That is a Wednesday. The Wild Card Series, they are planning on starting on Friday, October 7th. That's just two days later. And I can't imagine a scenario. Now, it could happen. But I don't think there's a scenario in which the Orioles aren't trying to at least clinch better seating and are probably trying to clinch just that playoff spot if they're in the race all the way down to the final day of the season. Which means, similar to the Orioles 10 years ago in 2012, you're kind of just staying the course and continuing on with your rotation. I mean, that was the reason that the Orioles started Joe Saunders in the 2012 wildcard game in Texas against the Rangers. 
he was the guy that was up next in the rotation. And the Orioles, you know, were fighting for seeding and spots all the way down to the last day of the season that year and really didn't have time to set their rotation for the wild card game. So they went with Joe Saunders, and of course he pitched into the sixth, pitched beautifully, and it worked out. And they won that game, but I think that's what the Orioles would have to do this year. Essentially, you would play the game Wednesday, and whoever started that Wednesday game to help you get into the playoffs, probably not going to be available for games one, two, and three. You would think a Wednesday starter, maybe if they get Thursday, Friday, Saturday off, maybe they're out of the bullpen Sunday if you really want to push them. But at least your Tuesday starter could be available. So in theory, everyone but whoever starts the final day of the season on Wednesday would be in play for a three-game series. Now, you got to remember, you have to win at least one of the first two games to get to that third game, so you're focused on games one and two. Now, if I could just set the rotation from all my options right now, and it didn't matter about who pitched that week before, I think I'd throw Jordan Lyles game one, I'd want that veteran presence. Yeah, he hasn't pitched in, you know, these big postseason games, but he seems to be the leader of this rotation. I'd send him out there in game one. As long as Tyler Wells is back and healthy, I'd send him out there in game two. You know, all signs point to we are going to see Tyler Wells pitching again at some point this year for the Orioles. You know, he his last update earlier this week said he's feeling good, but no timetable for his return. And then game three, I'd start Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson threw off a mound for the first time on Wednesday since suffering that lat injury a couple months ago. And the Orioles all along have talked about how they are planning on getting him back on a mound in pro games before the season ends. Now, most likely those would probably be in the FCL and then he'd probably pitch back in AAA at the end of the year. But we're talking October 9th, game three would be. It seems like Grayson Rodriguez is on the course to be pretty much ready to go to start a game by October 9th. And if you've got Grayson Rodriguez at your disposal in a Game 3 winner-take-all for a playoff series, I'm putting Rodriguez on the hill there in Game 3. Next question comes from Andrew on Twitter who asks, Who is your favorite non-big-name prospect in the Orioles system? This is a good question. I'm going to give you three names for different reasons. First name is Nolan Hoffman. Now, we haven't seen him a lot this year. He's on the injured list. But Hoffman is the sidewinding reliever that the Orioles selected in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft this year. The reason I like Nolan Hoffman, he had some pretty nasty numbers in the Mariners system. And oh yeah, he is a sidearm slash submarine pitcher. And I can't get enough of those guys. And I think he still could be a good big leaguer. Hopefully he comes back from injury soon. Next guy I'll give you is Anthony Servidio. Now, he's dealt with a million injury issues since the Orioles drafted him out of Ole Miss in 2020. He's finally back on the field this year. Is still kind of rehabbing, playing games in the FCL, but he's got a great batter's eye. All he does is walk. Kind of has some sneaky power from the left side and is one of the best defensive players, whether it be shortstop, second base, or all three outfield positions that I've seen. He actually played for a summer team, the Baltimore Redbirds, that I called games for back in 2018. He's an electric player as well, an interesting guy, and I'm really pulling for him to get fully healthy so we can get back on track because he was a pretty high draft pick in 2020, and the Orioles still see a lot of promise in him 
as a middle infield prospect. And the last guy I got to name is, is a guy who I could not be cheering for anymore, and that is Maxwell Costas, the first baseman who the Orioles signed as an undrafted free agent this year. Of course, played four incredible seasons at the University of Maryland, got to know Maxwell when I was the broadcaster for Maryland's baseball team back in his freshman year in 2019 when he won the Big Ten Freshman of the Year Award. Big power-hitting first baseman, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet, just a very interesting guy to get to know and uh, cheering for him, and obviously love to have him in the Orioles system. Next question comes from Jonah. If every Orioles prospect hits their ceiling, what is the lineup in the glory years of the Orioles over the next couple of seasons? Well, Jonah, I took a little liberties. At first, I was going to say, well, let's just put a lineup together of prospects. But I obviously couldn't leave Adley Rutschman out of this lineup. So I decided I'll put together a lineup of guys who were prospect eligible at the beginning of this season. That's all I put together. Now remember, this is important. When the Orioles are really good again, they're pretty good right now, but when they're really good again and contending for championships, their lineup and starting rotation is not going to be all put together of guys they drafted or acquired as minor leaguers in trades. It's going to be a lot of free agent signings and guys they traded for as big leaguers. But just to answer the question... Here's the nine I'd put out there in this order at these positions, just from the prospects, guys who were prospects in the Orioles system to start this season or were drafted in the 2022 draft. Leadoff man Colton Kowser playing center field. I mean, he is just raking in double-A buoy right now. He can run. He can throw. He can play defense. He can hit for average, hit for power. He's a five-tool player. Orioles took him fifth overall in 2021. He's got that full leadoff hitter package, and I like him right there. Second hitter is Adley Rutschman. You keep him right where he's getting it all done this year. Obviously, he's the catcher in that lineup. Number three hitter has to be Gunnar Henderson. I mean, the new number one prospect in baseball, according to Baseball America, just tearing it up at AAA. Now, I'd put him at DH in this lineup. He could certainly play shortstop or third, but he's going to be raking out of the three-hole. Fourth, I would hit Jordan Westberg, putting him at third base in this lineup. Big power, polished hit tool coming out of college in 2020. He's already in AAA as well, starting to swing the bat better again. Fifth in this lineup, that's where Jackson Holiday comes in. I'd put him at shortstop. Again, you know, hopefully the ceiling for him is higher than a five hitter, but I'll put him at five right now. We just haven't seen as much, obviously, from 18-year-old Jackson Holiday. But if you got Jackson Holiday hitting fifth down the line, I think you're feeling pretty good. Sixth, I'm putting all that power of Kobe Mayo. I'm putting him at first base defensively here, and he's just going to mash home runs from the right side. Seventh, I'm putting Heston Kerstad playing left field. You know, Obviously, all that he's been through, he's finally back on the field now in Aberdeen after being the second overall pick in 2020. I still like Kerstad's tools, big power from the left side, sneaky good defender. If he can get to the big leagues and reach that peak potential, he's going to be a really, really great player. Hitting eighth, I'll go back into this year's draft, and I'll take Dylan Beavers, second player the Orioles selected in this year's draft, put him in right field hitting eighth. Yeah, it's a little bit of a funky swing from the left side, but he's got a little bit of Nick Markakis in there, maybe with more power, more tools. He could be similar to a Colton Kowser-type player moving forward. And then my number nine hitter at second base, I'm going to put Connor Norby. He's now got 16 home runs this year, just dominating right now in double-A, second-round pick of the Orioles out of ECU in 2021. Hits for a lot of power. He's really only going to play second base, but that's okay. Does a solid job there. Just a great all-around hitter. I'm a really big Connor Norby fan, and he's got a good first name as well. So that's what I would do one through nine with my lineup. 
We're going to take one more break here, here on a Mailbag Thursday, get to a few more questions to finish it out in just a second. But first, got to tell you about liver health formula. Now, did you know that the key to sustainable weight loss is actually through your liver? The liver is the body's metabolic furnace, actually. And now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting nutrients, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver. And Liver Health Formula, they make it easy to maintain a healthy body weight long-term. And as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula risk-free today. It makes a perfect addition to your lifestyle. So go to getliverhelp.com slash MLB to learn more. Again, that's getliverhelp.com slash MLB to try liver health formula completely risk-free. Go to getliverhelp.com slash MLB right now to get started. So it's a Mailbag Thursday episode here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. We thank you all so much for sending in your Orioles questions here on the pod. Going to get to a few more questions here on a Mailbag episode before we finish up here on a Thursday. And next question goes here, when do Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson debut? Pretty straight to the point right there. Well, let me answer it pretty succinctly. I think they should both be in the big leagues right now, as I stated earlier this week on the podcast. But let's say for Kyle Stowers, I think it's got to be close. Mike Elias talked about last week how they've already been chatting every day about when to bring Stowers up. Let's say Monday, August 15th in Toronto, where he already has made his major league debut earlier this year. Stowers joins the Orioles. Gunnar Henderson, unfortunately, I think it's going to take longer. And I think they'll debut him at home as well to make it a big spectacle. Obviously, he is the number one prospect in baseball. How about Friday, September 2nd at home against the Oakland Athletics? That is when Gunnar Henderson makes his debut. Next question comes from Chris Knight on Twitter. He says, do you think CNL Perez is here to stay long-term in the Oriole bullpen? This is a good question. You know, Perez had a great year, a 1.14 ERA in 39 and a third innings out of the Oriole bullpen, a waiver claim from the Reds this offseason, who was a highly ranked prospect for the Astros as a starter, didn't really work out. Reds put him in the bullpen, didn't really work out either, couldn't throw any strikes in Cincinnati last year. The Orioles get him, and they just put something together. Something clicked for him, and he basically now the Orioles setup man, especially after Jorge Lopez was traded. And, you know, I will say with CNL Perez, his numbers have been better than he's been this year. He has a 3.06 FIP. He has an XERA that's over three as well, an expected ERA from StatCast. So he's gotten a little lucky at times this year. You have to get a little lucky sometimes to have a 1.14 ERA. I mean, that's a ridiculous stat. But I will say he's 26 years old. He's not a free agent until after 2026. The Orioles are going to hold on to him. And maybe, you know, down the line, he could be a, you know, reliever sell-high candidate, similar to the way the Orioles operated by trading Jorge Lopez this year, but he's going to be around for a while. And relievers are volatile, so there may be at some point where this switch just flips and he doesn't have it anymore. I mean, we've seen it with plenty of relievers 
I mean, you saw it with Pedro Strope. If you remember, the Orioles brought him over in 2011. He looked solid. Then he was a giant part of the Oriole bullpen in 2012, was essentially a lockdown setup man as the O's got to the playoffs. And then in 2013, Strope just couldn't throw strikes. His ERA was bloated. And the Orioles ended up trading him in the middle of that 2013 season. He went from dominant reliever to a guy they didn't want to roster anymore in just six months. So anything could happen with relievers. But if Perez is even close to this production with the energy he brings to this bullpen, I see him being around for a few years here. And then I got one final question to get to. And speaking of the Oriole bullpen, speaking of Jorge Lopez, this one from friend of the show, former guest Dylan Atkinson, who says, what are the chances the Orioles face Jorge Lopez in the wild card round this year in the ninth inning of a game? And I got to say, the chances aren't bad. Now, one mistake I think I made, if you check out yesterday's episode of the podcast, I went and compared the Orioles to the other six teams in the AL wildcard race. Now, the team I didn't talk about was the Minnesota Twins, because in my mind, the Twins didn't have a huge lead in the AL Central, but I figured, you know, the Twins were the only Central team that added at the deadline. They already had a four or five game lead over Cleveland and Chicago. I felt like they had pretty much locked up the Central. They weren't going to be a wildcard team. Well, going into play on Wednesday, the Guardians and the Twins were tied atop the AL Central. So technically, the Twins are now right in the middle of the wildcard race as well, right there with essentially an identical record to the Orioles. So that could play a factor, you know, if Baltimore and Minnesota were the four and five seeds they could play. I still think because the Twins added at the deadline, they have talent. I think down the road they will win the AL Central, which will make them the number three seed in the tournament. They're not going to have a better record than the Yankees or the Astros. So they're not going to get the first round by. So they will play the final wildcard team. And I think, you know, all things considered, if the Orioles do get in, they'll probably be that number six seed, that final wildcard team, which means there could be a first round three game wildcard series in Minnesota between the Twins and the Orioles. And you betcha Jorge Lopez is going to pitch in that three game series. So Dylan, I got to say, not super low chances that the Orioles would face Jorge Lopez in a postseason series. Of course, the Orioles don't play the Twins anymore in the regular season, but uh, I could see it going down in the postseason. But thank you to everyone who tweeted in your questions. If you want to get questions in for a future mailbag episode, email us at lockedonorioles at gmail.com or tweet at either account at Connor Newcomb underscore or at the podcast account at Locked on Orioles. And your questions will be answered on a future mailbag episode. We got one more episode coming up on the pod this week. Friday episode tomorrow, Lindsey Crosby is going to join us. He is the host of Locked on MLB Prospects here on the Locked on Podcast Network. He's going to talk about the Orioles system, Gunnar Henderson, the Orioles 2022 draft, and we're going to talk about Trace Bright, the right-handed pitcher who the Orioles selected in the fifth round of this year's draft who pitched at Auburn, and Lindsey actually covered the Auburn Tigers program this spring. Got a great close look at Trace Bright every time he was out there. So we'll talk about him and the Orioles prospects as a whole coming up tomorrow with Lindsey Crosby. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.